Hello and welcome back to Creatus Chat. This is our after show combo. I'm Rusty. I'm Peter. Join us as we pick up on our conversation between Peter and Dr. Pollock and chat about who knows what. Streaming from Retro Earth Studio and brought to you by WeAreHistorically.com Conscious Brand Apparel and Learn to play jazz piano like a pro by a pro with Jazz Piano Pro Essentials at jazzpianopro.com. Everybody, meet Dr. Pollock. There's so many properties of this easy water that really haven't been fully explored. And I'm curious because this is kind of like the fringe, challenging a lot of paradigms of the, the general academia. Have you had pushback in your experience of really trying to get this information out there? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's 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 as though it's as though I'm living on two different planets, um, <laughs> and uh, it sounds somewhat preposterous that there's a fourth phase of of water. Uh, some some uh, non-scientists have. Uh, acted kind of reflexively, saying, "Oh, this is the weirdest thing I ever saw," without any you know, substantive comment. Therefore, it must be wrong. Um, but I think that, for the most part, the scientific community has adopted a wait and see attitude, and um, and you know, waiting to see what the other guy thinks because they don't want to defect from from the establishment. And you know, there's a tendency that uh, has existed throughout throughout the course of science, um, whenever, pretty much whenever uh, there's a, a radical point of view that uh, develops, scientists are conservative that way. They, uh, uh, they're reluctant to accept it. And one of the reasons for their reluctance, uh, it could be that it's wrong. Uh, and uh, another one uh, could be that, you know, it steps on the toes of those scientists. So if you, yeah. If you believe in flat Earth and someone comes around and says, hey, I've seen some satellite photos, you know, just the other day, uh, <laughs> including the other day, uh, um, Richard Branson uh, and such, uh, you know, uh, and it looks round, it looks spherical. So, uh, you know, I'm thinking it's curved, it's not, it, it's, it's not flat. Um, and, and uh, you know, what happens is, is that you can't get money to study this further because the people who are assigned to review your application for funding are the flat earth people and they don't want to be displaced uh, because if you've earned your reputation, you, Peter, you know, as a flat earth guy and, and some radical comes along and says, well, Peter, I'm sorry, you know, you devoted your life to it, but look at this evidence. Um, I think you're wrong. And, and of course, you know, you want to protect your turf. We're all human, and we don't like to be disgraced in this way uh, because oh, yeah. you develop your reputation. And you, when the New York Times comes and wants to interview somebody about the shape of the Earth, they're going to come to you, uh, Peter. They're going to say, "Hey, tell us, tell us some more about the little bumps that exist and the depressions and and such on the flat Earth." And you're the guy they'll come to. But if the Earth is round, you're going to say, "Forget it." Peter, you're you're outdated. Right. We're going to go to this radical guy who comes with with the, the new evidence. So so anyway, we, we'd like to hang on to our our, our turf. It's yeah. 
it's human nature. And so, so ideas, uh, ideas that seem radical at first, even Einstein, you know, in the year 1905, he came forth with three uh, new paradigms uh, that changed the world. There was relativity, uh, uh, there was the photoelectric effect, um, and um, what was the third one? Um, uh, Brownian motion. Mm. And, you know, relativity, uh, it took 15 years or 16 years until Einstein won a Nobel Prize for the photoelectric effect that people began, or the physicists began believing about relativity, which stands for take. You know, they wouldn't, yeah. it seemed preposterous. How uh, the ones who could understand it, uh, uh, oh, you know, this is ridiculous. Uh, and, 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 and then Einstein became a kind of hero because he won a Nobel Prize. Oh yeah, of course, you're, you're right. And so it, it, it's not only that, but in anything that, like, so, okay, I've talked to you about, uh, about resistance and um, reasons uh, that go beyond mere uh, evidence uh, yeah. or logic or arguments. I'm not suggesting that every piece of criticism that's come is necessarily erroneous. Uh, some of it uh, is, is reasonable. As, as one of my students uh, said, uh, it's, it's like um, arguing that a branch on a tree is rotten and therefore the whole tree is dead. Or something like right. this, you know. Throw uh, the baby out with the bathwater. Baby with the bathwater, <laughs> exactly. That that that's it. That's even even better. But on the other side, uh, I've talked about one side is the enormous. Uh, I mean, really enormous interest and and pretty much acceptance by communities of people uh, ranging all over the place uh, uh, from from people dealing with how to improve ice skating rinks uh, to make the ice surface um, uh, smoother. Uh, we, we have very frequent uh, conversation and he's writing a book <laughs> that includes it for health, of course, because, um, you know, if the cells are filled with, with easy water, uh, fourth phase water instead of liquid water, everything changes. All of right. physiology changes. Oh, yeah. All of health changes to um, uh, uh, someone who's now written papers about uh, how the Romans would, would cool themselves using water um, on ceramics uh, um, mm. uh, and invoking um, easy water as, as the central mechanism uh, involved with this, uh, you know, to what makes weather. Uh, there's so much that follows yeah. from it. And, and, and so many people from uh, have, have, um, um, taken up the, this idea of fourth phase water and used it in their particular realm. And so it's extremely gratifying to the point where it's really difficult uh, to get work done because I get so many emails each day. Um, and there, as I mentioned earlier, the enthusiasm uh, over that later book, The Fourth Phase of Water, uh, for example, on, on Amazon, um, is is amazing. I, uh, um, I I I'm so so I feel so gratified by it. Yeah. Um, that uh, I I can't tell you how exciting it is for me. Well, so, of course, of course. That's a long answer to your question. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's yeah. one of those things where it's like you're 
I think one of the things that, you know, obviously like Western science and Western world is this, you know, needs to be quantifiable. And you've done that with relatively simple equipment. And that's one of the things that is pretty fascinating to me is that at what level could almost the individual small scale scientists do their own experiments on this? Well, they you know, can. Yeah, again, it's really, it's really easy. And in the fourth phase book, I describe how they can do it, how they can okay. detect easy water in like five easy steps. Um, all you need is, well, you need a, a, a Petri dish, um, some, some water, actually any kind of water, a dye, uh, which gets excluded from the exclusion zone or easy or fourth phase water. Uh, so you can look at where the dye does, isn't, very simple dye, and uh, a magnifying glass, and you can do it yourself. Um, it's really easy. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And it's, the, it's that aspect of kind of reinvigorating the natural curiosity that we kind of lose through the indoctrination process that I've found has been pretty interesting, just because... You know, I, I do my own experiments with water. Um, and one of them that I've been doing lately is charging it in the sun in a glass vessel. And then, you know, I'll do some type of like prayer mantra. And then before that, I'll put it into a copper vessel to let it rest overnight. Again, another round of prayer and mantra. And I do blind experiments with friends that come over and they've noticed observable differences within the water. It's more viscous. It's taste as they say, it tastes better. It tastes like more, like this water tastes Smoother. like what water, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it has that kind of velvety, silky yeah, taste. Yeah, yeah, exactly, velvety. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that, like that, that's interesting. Yeah, well, I hope you actually publish your, um, your, your experiments if you are doing them in a scientific manner, which oh, yeah. I expect you are, because the world <laughs> needs to know about this. I've heard the same from so many people, uh, even, um, um, well, uh, um, uh, people who, you know, you, you take two glasses of, of, of wine, um, um, and, and, um, and, and you, you, you say, uh, loving things to one glass, same wine, and, um, hateful things to another, just think them, uh, and the two, they, they taste, uh, differently. Uh, mm. I'm, I'm really, <laughs> it, it works. You should try it. Just, just okay. pour, pour from the bottle of wine, pour two. And, um, you know, this, this is, um, uh, uh, I, I, I learned this from a three-star Michelin chef. Um, <laughs> his name is Heston Blumenthal. And um, we became friends. Uh, he invited me to to his home in, in the south of France. And he, he, he runs a restaurant uh, uh, called, called, what's it called? The, oh, I apologize. It's called, anyway, it's west of, uh, of, of London, uh, the Fat Duck, Fat Duck. And the Fat <laughs> Duck was voted by some Group, I don't know which group, as the best restaurant in the world one one year. So this is rather distinguished uh, uh, chef, and he knows knows what he's doing. And it was great to spend a, a day with him and sleep at his wonderful place in Provence. Um, and we had a great time together talking science because his interest is really deeply in science. And 
Um, and we also met at our annual water conference in Frankfurt, uh, the one that I organized. Wow. Um, and, uh, and he took me out to dinner with a few of his colleagues. Uh, we had a nice dinner. And the first thing he started with, he poured the wine. And uh, uh, it was probably not the kind of wine that he serves at his restaurant. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, fat duck is, is special. Uh, but he, he poured <laughs> two glasses and he told me, think positive thoughts on this one and have drink it. And then think negative thoughts on this one and drink it. You notice the difference? The difference was absolutely clear. And uh, so I, I think the, um, it, it, it might actually work with your water that's been sitting in the copper because it probably contains a lot of fourth phase or easy water. That's where the information is stored. And, and, yeah. and my guess is um, that um, if you do the same sort of experiment, you might find a similar result. I'm not sure, but it's worth trying. So uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Consciousness, important. And, and uh, as I said, my own prediction is this is in the future going, going to be a frontier scientific issue. Uh, because it's becoming more and more important. Oh, 100%. And that's, uh, I truly do see this as the infancy of the study of water, because this is groundbreaking, textbook changing information that should be known more. And I think, you know, we always have these subtle experiences and just even early lab work, we're doing dissections, looking under the microscope, and you see that these, you know, on the cellular level, it, it's different, you know, it is the liquid and the mediums that we would use to dissect things is definitely regular distilled water, but inside the cell, it's different. It's a hundred percent different yeah. <laughs> to the point where it won't mix even. So it's like, wait, what? Like, yeah, it's a hundred percent different. Absolutely. And you know, if you, uh, we used to do a lot of experiments with cells, uh, especially muscle cells. And if you cut the muscle cell, if it's really water, that's inside the water will come pouring out, but it doesn't come pouring out. Or yeah. if you cut yourself, you know, the water should come pouring out, but it doesn't. It sticks, it's inside, it sticks to the, the uh, solid surfaces. It's a different kind of water. It's easy water or fourth phase water. Um, wow. Hmm. Well, just in terms of the potential, you know, technologies that could be developed from this, have you guys done different experiments in terms of getting energy from the water? Yes, uh, we have. So mm -hmm. I mentioned early on that the easy water is negatively charged. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, so, but um, you start with water molecules, which are neutral. So you can't get something from, from nothing. You can't get negative charge from neutrality. There has got to be a positive charge somewhere. And yeah. we found uh, that... If you, if you have uh, some hydrophilic water-loving surface and uh, the fourth phase or easy grows next to it, it's gonna be negatively charged. And what happens is the positive charges get pushed out beyond it. So you've got negative charge in easy and positive charge next to it. It's like the two poles of a battery, a negative and a positive, kept separate and kept separate by the energy that's coming in, uh, the infrared energy that's coming in from the environment. So in theory, you've got a battery, and if you put two electrodes in, uh, one in the negative, one in the positive, you ought to be able to light a light bulb. And we demonstrated that, um, and uh, it works. Uh, you know, <laughs> what more can I say? 
Well, there's a lot more to say because as, as uh, various entrepreneurs know, and I'm not one of those, <laughs> um, you know, science is my passion, uh, not entrepreneurship. On the other hand, uh, I, I, I was persuaded to um, enter into uh, 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 some development with, uh, with a company to try to bring this, but going from a laboratory demonstration to uh, something that's practical and useful. Imagine, I mean, getting energy from the sun just using water. Um, uh, it's, it's, uh, we do it all the time in our bodies, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> but to do it, you know, requires crossing the so-called valley of death. And, you know, a lot of ideas uh, that begin in laboratory have to pass across this valley to get to practical utilization. And the valley is very deep and a lot of stuff winds up there. Um, whether this will wind up there, uh, I can't say, but uh, we're very much interested in, in creating something practical. It's not mm. uh, just getting energy uh, from, from, uh, from water and light, which, you know, in theory, it's a no-brainer, uh, but yeah. getting, it, getting it to work as in, a, in a practical sense is a, is a real challenge. Uh, it, it needs investment, it needs, uh, which needs money and such, but also filtration. Um, mm. um, the the uh, water we're talking about excludes practically everything. It's a crystal. Yeah. And you know, when crystals form like ice crystals, you, you see um, at the bottom of a glacier, the ice crystals that have formed push out all the stuff and you find all the junk, the glacial moraine at the foot of the glacier that's been pushed out as the water became ice. Yeah as the water became a crystal. So as the water becomes easy, same thing happens, it pushes stuff out. So hmm. if you if you have input water that contains all kinds of junk and it goes through this, this system that takes that water and builds easy water, it pushes out all the junk. You yeah. collect the easy water and you have a junk-free kind of, of water. So it's a filter, but it's a so-called filterless filter because there's no physical filter involved. It just involves the separation, the creation of easy water from ordinary water, a process of which um, uh, eliminates or pushes out the, the contaminants. Hmm. One of the contaminants could easily be salt. It's not a contaminant, but imagine you put hmm. in ocean water um, and the energy required to do all this stuff is from the sun. Um, you've got lots of sun in the place where you need drinking water. You take the ocean water, you put it in, you've got the sun, builds easy water, and out comes water that's free of salt. You can drink. Hmm. Uh, we're working on that too. Uh, but, you know, these are, these are radical developments. They yeah. might or might not succeed. Uh, I, I'm hopeful that they will succeed. But they need they need an investment. So it's not, it's just, it's not just the, from the scientific point of view, but there are practical outcomes that um, uh, might work, we're still not sure, um, uh, to bring to practical fruition, which could solve some of the most important problems that the world faces today. Oh, 100%. And with that light, what is some of the most 
potentially interesting avenues of development that you're personally like excited about that if this works this is this is a game changer well uh, you know uh, getting getting electricity uh, where uh, we're we're so short of uh, we, we use actually such yeah. a small percentage of the sun's energy uh, for shall we say useful technological purposes and if we if we feel really constrained um, to depend on technology in the future rather than going back to the ancients and um, you know living off the grid and such we, we need energy and we can't depend uh, on fossil fuels uh, in the future because they run out yeah. We need something that's renewable, and um, and this is absolutely renewable. Uh, as long as the sun shines, uh, we have that energy that's coming in. A lot mm, of people don't realize true. that something like half of the energy of the sun is 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 not a visible light, but infrared light, the heat yeah. that we feel from the sun, and and we can harness that. We can harness that um, that energy and infrared energy to do something that was thought previously couldn't be done. But yeah. in principle, it can be done, and it's just a matter of, uh, you know, uh, of doing it, of putting the resources together and uh, taking the gamble that um, it can be done. And if it is done in a practical way, uh, it, it could be amazing for the world. Oh, it's 100%. Yeah, it's not only that, but uh, also using energy using the sun's energy uh, for health. Uh, we all have a feeling, especially those of us who live in Seattle, uh, including you and me, uh, we don't see the sun so often in the winter. And, you know, we go out one day in December, the sun peaks its uh, um, shiny face out, and we all feel good. And we, you know, we wonder, is this some kind of subtle psychological effect, which it could be. Can also be that the infrared energy uh, that's coming from the sun penetrates into our body, our head, and restores uh, the EZ that's in every cell in our brain in, into the level, uh, the default level, which is those cells are filled with easy water, and the brain cells work the way they ought to be working, which is the, the default state of feeling good instead of feeling mm. down or depressed. We need that sun. It could work uh, in a way that I'm suggesting. You don't know that it works that way, but uh, it's a simple hypothesis that doesn't doesn't rely on anything uh, exotic. And so, so that's uh, and, and you know, uh, have you had the experience of going into a sauna and using that at all? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I have to, oh, yeah. especially in Finland and Russia, where they do it all the time. They know what's good. It's the same thing. You're exposing yourself to infrared energy, to heat, um, and that heat penetrates, especially when you don't have clothing on, uh, although <laughs> it penetrates anyway. Every cell in your body uh, gets infrared exposure, and it's, it's no oh, yeah. uh, surprise that you come out feeling better than you come in because that uh, energy should build easy water and should build it in all of our cells. The cells should function better, and we feel better. So. Uh, no surprise about that. Uh, mm, mm. Yeah, that's interesting to think about in terms of like the the health industry. And I'm almost even looking at, you know, different 
materials that they use for, you know, patching up surgeries, you know, different types of sutures and the incorporation of easy water and trying to be almost like a, in terms of the filtration of getting rid of contaminants, I'm almost curious to see if there's these antibacterial microbial properties of it that they could somehow try to integrate in hospitals. Well, I, I hadn't thought about that a whole lot, but I think it's possible because, uh, you know, the easy, easy water, uh, as it grows, it pushes out. Um, uh, we have experiments that show it excludes bacteria and viruses and such. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, you, you could be onto something really important that we have yet to pursue. Well, it's well, it's even the combination of it. So I was almost I was more so coming at it from the angle internally of okay, well, how could we enable people to produce easy water within their system faster if it does have this key component to physical health? Because this is the thing that I'm very curious about. Where it's like we could this changes the way we look at disease. You know, if we actually were to look at the how we could physically test someone's levels of easy water. Now that's a different story. Well, yeah, there we, so we have a way, uh, we, we have a way. It needs, again, it needs development. Uh, uh, and that is, uh, it's, it's just two, two simple steps, two simple steps. Um, uh, and I can't give you the evidence to convince you. Number one, <laughs> um, you know, on the elevator pitch sort of thing. Number one, your cells are filled with easy water. Yeah. Number two, easy water is negatively charged. Mm. Number three, all your cells are negatively charged. Number four, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out if your cells are filled with water and the water is negatively charged, your cells are going to be negatively charged, right? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, the more easy water you have in your cells, the more there should be negative charge. Now, this is not a widely accepted view at all. Uh, what I'm, what I'm telling you about. If you read any biology textbook, they'll give you a, a different uh, interpretation of why the cells are negatively charged. It has to do with membrane pumps and channels. And I've in in the two books that I mentioned, the fourth phase of water and, uh, and uh, cells, gels, and the engines of life. I argue to attempt to dispel those notions. I think they're wrong and illogical. Um, uh, and, I'm sorry to be, to be blunt. A simpler argument is the reason that the cells are negatively charged is they're filled with water, easy water that has negative charge. So yeah, if your cells good. have a lot of easy water, they'll have a lot of negative charge, which means if your body has a lot of easy water, your body's gonna have a lot of negative charge. Right? Mm. So if you could measure uh, the negative charge on your body, in your body, uh, you'd have a, a, a measure, a sort of general measure of health because uh, this easy water is critical for health. And people have actually measured the negative charge or negative potential of cells uh, and mm. cancer cells, for example, instead of negative 60 or 70 millivolts, it's negative 10 or 15 millivolts uh, only, suggesting that the cancer cells are are missing a lot of easy water. And it actually fits some other evidence. Can't, uh, the same uh, with uh, pathological, pathological kidney cells, same, 15, 20 millivolts negative instead of 60 or 70 for healthy kidney cells. So, so I think there's, there's some evidence to, uh, uh, to back this up. 
So what I'm getting to in the elevator pitch is if you can measure the electrical potential of you, of your body, um, um, it may be possible to tell if you're generally healthy or not so healthy just by that, yeah. by that measure. Um, and uh, we started doing that. Actually, some, so, some students tried to make measurements as part of a classroom exercise. And of course, as a classroom exercise, uh, the results were all over the place. But, but some of the you know, more reliable ones done by some of the more gifted students indeed showed that the body has um, uh, a negative electrical potential uh, that, that could be measured. So this requires some development, but it could be in the future, mm. it, it, it could be a diagnostic uh, measure uh, used to assess the health of someone, probably in an extremely simple way. Um, you know, yeah. it could be, could be a gadget that you buy for 10 bucks on Amazon. Yeah. Hold on to the cat though, see how yeah, you do Yeah, right, something just like that, <laughs> and, and check your health, you know. Uh, it could be a, a diagnostic that then leads to further diagnostics to figure out if you're yeah. not fully charged, so to speak, what's wrong with you. So that, I mean, I like that. that's exciting too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the cool thing because I mean, to me, it just even goes into, okay, well, it's like, okay, the human body has the negative energy potential. We know that earth has this kind of almost negative energy potential as well. Yes. What's the correlation between the two? Is there a difference in the frequencies and vibrations that we emit? Like <laughs> my mind just goes to so many different avenues of exploration. There's uh, there's a lot to be learned. We really, We've really just scratched the surface, uh, um, and uh, yeah, well, it, it, it's coming because <laughs> lots of people are getting interested. Lots of people are doing experiments and um, uh, with a, with new views toward how how nature works. Uh, yeah, Ooh, even it's not. Some... Yeah, I mean, it, it's not. It's not just that. I I've got two two books uh, coming on uh, oh. subjects that you might say build. Um, uh, to some extent, and uh, mm. there, I'm not sure how to put it. Maybe um, even even more um, radical, you might say, uh, about how nature works. And they're, they're all based on uh, logic and evidence. And um, uh, my late wife uh, told me to um, avoid writing more controversial books because because. Ah. The water stuff is controversial enough, and it seems to have done pretty well. Just stick with it. <laughs> don't don't risk your reputation. But um, it, it's for me, it's the ultimate curiosity and search for truth. How how does nature work, particularly in this environment where there there are so many mistruths and um, um, uh, you know disinformation and such. Yeah. trying to use uh, simple logical thinking and simple experiments uh, that anybody could do at home, like your experiments uh, with your copper vessel, uh, mm -hmm. uh, needs to be done. And, and, uh, and, and more people need to get into it because ultimately, what is science? You know, you have an observation and the scientists need to pay pay attention to the observations and, and search for the explanations, uh, not mm. dismiss them uh, as, as some, um, I, I hesitate to say many, 
some scientists would do, uh, oh yeah, if it's true, someone would have discovered it 50 years ago, so it can't be true. Or everybody knows that X, Y is true, so why bother dealing with your crazy ideas? Uh, unfortunately, and you know, in, in the kind of environment that we are today where, where uh, disinformation gets the same uh, audience as information, uh, we sometimes have trouble distinguishing between the two. It, it becomes yeah. more difficult for uh, science to, to make inroads and uh, yeah. to create scientific revolutions. Uh, we have oh. plenty of technological revolutions like what's enabling us to communicate right at the moment. Yeah. But there are very few scientific revolutions. If you try to count on how many there are that are uh, of the same magnitude as, I don't know, the splitting of the atom or uh, the genetic code, those are all 60, 70 years ago. Yeah. It's really hard to find them. Uh, so science mm. is, although there are lots of crossing the T's and dotting the I's, there are not many scientific revolutions. Um, and I think yeah. it's because of the way science is working today. Oh, um, 100% agree. Okay. 100, yeah, 100% agree with that. Well, I mean, it's, I've seen it kind of evolve even these past like 10, 15 years, especially where it's, it's turned into its own, obviously like institution and establishment. And I, I see a lot of people that unfortunately we have a very large population, especially in America where it's like we have, we're science illiterate. So it's science has gotten turned and transformed into almost like a church-like figure where if you question it, bad you, if you do this, bad you, you have to, you know, you have to stay within your lane. And it comes back to what you were saying earlier and similar sense of like the gate gatekeeping and like the kind of academic competition. There's been just, it's just transformed where it's really lost the, the harmony of maintaining that childlike curiosity to discover and like and you can only discover new things when we enter into the unknown but everyone just keeps wanting to cling on to the old paradigms but like, it's human nature we feel yeah, right we feel secure <laughs> that way you know <laughs> and i know you mentioned it and we didn't get a chance to talk about it but did you want to do any types of um pitches or any types of information drops for the institute of venture science uh yes i would um yeah uh, the institute for venture science is an organization uh, that's designed to bring truth. And um, um, how is that? Well, um, the Institute uh, promotes ideas that challenge conventional ideas that have outlived their usefulness. Um, and uh, and we, we do this uh, by funding scientists who are brave enough to challenge convention. Many, many such scientists um, may be brave enough, but their ideas are rather, uh, how should I say, outlandish, or uh, we vet those ideas very, very carefully. And uh, we choose the ones that uh, look from, from our review, which is very extensive review, like they have a chance, if given an opportunity, to really shake the earth. Um, and, and we do, very careful vetting of applications that we receive. And we want to find the most exciting ones um, that fall into that category. So we've already identified five particular areas out of 200 pre-proposals that eventually were weeded down to, weeded out to a smaller number of full proposals and such. Wow. And um, we're looking, looking for 
um, support uh, from, from people who have done well and would like to, um, to help promote uh, the finding of scientific truth. There's just, and, and if they would like to contact me, um, my email address is all over the internet. I'm really easy to find. Um, and, uh, or very simply, uh, uh, it's GHP, Gerald Harvey Pollock, GHP at IV Science, IV Science, IV like intravenous, it's an institute for adventure, ivscience.org. Um, and we'd be happy to chat with you about this. Uh, just one, one final point about this is there's a special tweak that I think will help ensure our success. And that is if, um, if you, Peter, are advocating around earth and everybody else thinks that the earth is flat, uh, <clears throat> even if you get money from our organization or another organization to pursue your ideas scientifically, to pay what's necessary to do experiments <clears throat> for you, you still won't make it. Um, you won't create a revolution. And the reason why you won't is somebody's going to pop up, one of the flat earth people, and they're going to say, <laughs> oh, Peter Lucas, uh, he's a crackpot. Pay no attention. And then what are you going to do? Um, you um, raise a flag and say, no, I'm not a crackpot. Um, you become, <laughs> yeah, you suddenly become controversial and people won't pay attention to you, et cetera, et cetera. So the way to get around that, which is a necessary condition, is if we fund you, we're going to fund up to a dozen other laboratories uh, around the world who are independent of yours, who also think, you know, the world might actually be, uh, or the earth might actually be round instead of flat. And then um, when you and your dozen other uh, colleagues uh, go to the annual meeting of the Shape of the Earth Society, uh, um, and suddenly a dozen different groups are reporting that the earth is round, it's not flat. They can't dismiss you as a crackpot. It won't work anymore because the evidence is so clear. Each, yeah. each, each uh, scientist using a different method come up with the same result. They have to pay attention. And that will create very quickly scientific revolution. And that's what we're looking for. So we're looking for support. Uh, this is not something that governments, as you can imagine, will support. Uh, although it would be nice, but it is, I think, a key, an absolute key for restoring science to the fruitful endeavor that it once was. So please don't hesitate to contact me, us, at ivscience.org. Oof. And with that, I will just say, everyone do their part. We're in this realm of history where you can be your own leader in this search for truth. And I think with that, we'll close here. And I just want to say thank you again so much, Dr. Pollock, for coming on the show. We're definitely going to have you on in the future. And with that, roll the outro. And that concludes this episode of Creatives Chat. Thank you for watching. Join us every Thursday at 3.33 p.m. Pacific Daily Time as creative minds get together and chat about who knows what. View more episodes on our YouTube channel. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thanks again to our sponsors for making this show possible. Thank you, We Are Storically, for your conscious human apparel. 
Shop online at wearehistorically.com. Hi, I'm Darius Wilrich. I'll teach you everything you need to know about playing jazz piano like a pro with my 12-week online video course and downloadable guidebook, Jazz Piano Pro Essentials. Enroll today at jazzpianopro.com. Thank you for joining us. Have a happy always.